Welcome to the Vancouver Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Ogrizic. Samantha Ming from the Events Podcast. What's going on this week? Hey, Drew, we have some really cool events this week. On Monday, HackerNest returned with our monthly tech social. This is a fun event to connect and meet with people in the local tech community. It's at 8 p.m. at CoCore in Gastown. On Tuesday, the Vancouver Web Design Group returns from their summer break with their ultimate CMS showdown event. Learn what is the best content management system for your website. It starts at 6 p.m. at CoCore. On Wednesday, there is an event on how to query data pipeline with AWS Athena. AWS Athena is a serverless query service that doesn't require any infrastructure setup or complex provisioning. Hear this talk at 6 p.m. at Demonware in Vancouver. On Thursday, Sandy Metz, yes, THE Sandy Metz, She's the author of Practical Object-Oriented Design in Ruby and overall just an awesome speaker. Don't miss this event. She'll be speaking at the Clio's office at 5.30pm. Also on Thursday, week 6 of the Intro to Deep Learning with Fast AI is happening at the Boeing Vancouver Labs at 6pm. I'm Samantha Ming, and that's this week's top events you should check out. And we're here with Dan Garfield, VP of Marketing at CodeFresh and full-stack developer. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm actually really excited about, uh, about CodeFresh. It's one of those products where every step along the way, I've been loving it. People from the team reached out to make sure that uh, I was able to onboard. And I'm still on the free tier, by the way. Oh, beautiful. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, I guess, maybe about yourself, about your role, uh, about CodeFresh, um, and then we'll take it from there. Like you said, I am VP of marketing. I, I previously um, ran enterprise marketing at Atlassian, uh, which is, uh, if you're familiar with their, their startup, um, who I think is, is going to be big one day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and, and I've kind of always been... Um, an engineer at heart and I started uh, writing code when I was a kid and um, had the experience of being able to run a BBS when I was a kid. I don't know if, if any of your listeners are old enough to remember. Oh, what's services? Yeah. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And so I, I've always had this background where I've done um, engineering and, and over the years had the chance to do full stack as both a contractor and as part of my work. And, in marketing, it's always been sort of a superpower where, um, you know, if I want to, if I want to do like, uh, I wanted to do AB testing before there were great services to do AB testing. Well, I could just go in and write the code in a few minutes to, to make it work. And so, um, that's always been super valuable. And then when it came to doing more technical marketing, like I did at Atlassian and what I do at CodeFresh, uh, I think it's invaluable to be able to understand the audience and actually like empathize really well with the problems that people face and and what's important to them. So that's my background. And then um, here at CodeFresh, we have been uh, we started in 2014, um, but we had basically general availability. We launched last January, uh, and 
we've been growing very quickly since then, which is great, which is just what you want to say as a startup. But where we're focused is we basically want to provide end-to-end automation for everything containers and Kubernetes. The reason for that is that if you go back and you look at how automation has been done up to now, uh, there's there's a lot of scripting involved and there's a lot of people rebuilding the same machine over and over again. And what we wanted to do is take a really a really strong pipeline like that you would see at Netflix that they spent millions and millions of dollars on and make that available for everyone to plug into um, the way that... Uh, you know, uh, both of both of flexible, but also kind of a, a, a prescripted um, automation platform, so that you can come in and do all the stuff you need to do. Because th- there's there's certain things that you always need to do, right? You're going to need to build your Docker image. You're going to need to push it to a registry. Uh, you're going to need to to run some tests on it. You're going to want to run some tests within the context of several different containers, and you're going to want to be able to deploy it. Um, typically to Kubernetes, but maybe you want to deploy to Swarm or ECS or, or some other platform, that's fine too. And there's just no reason why you should have to reinvent the wheel. Um, that's that's kind of the dream of CodeFresh is, is we want to have a place that is both very, very easy to get started, but also doesn't shy away from any of the power underneath the hood. So like you'll notice uh, you've been playing around with the platform a little bit, it sounds like, and you can use the UI to sort of set up your pipeline and have it configured and run. But at the end, and I don't know if you noticed this, but you can also click view YAML. And what it will do is it will show you the, the, the configuration file that was generated for everything you did. You can grab that, throw it in your repository and have it under version control. I did notice that and I was actually um, kind of blown away. I, I don't know if there's any other, uh, any other uh, CI CD tools or platforms out there that are doing this, but um, just not having to have, not having to create that and have it be auto-generated, I, w- I was pretty surprised with. Um, and then that you could, of course, if you wanted uh, for some, if you wanted to refine it or have it in version control, as you said. Yeah, we think of it as uh, we we actually call it breaking the glass. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like when you show up, it's like, hey, this all works. This is great. But then there always comes that moment when you're like, oh, but like, I want to be able to do this thing that's kind of esoteric and isn't on the rails. And we've all had this experience where we've been in a platform that's like a very nice UI, very nice experience. But as soon as you want to go outside that experience, you're just stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've had that experience like, you know, with services like Heroku, for instance. Um, but what we want to do with CodeFresh is say, look, it's very easy to get up and running. But as soon as you're ready to break the glass, you, it will, you'll have all the YAML, you know, all the configuration files have been generated for you. And you can take those, throw them in your repository and get crazy and, and do stuff that's, um, that's kind of outside the normal scope. So that way it's both simple to use, but also very flexible and powerful and it can scale up uh, for any use case. And that's what we see. I mean, we have customers like Giphy. Um, Citrix is using us. We've got Iron Source. So we have very large kind of, uh, you know, enterprisey type people, but we also have tons of startups that use us. And it, it's hard. To, it, it's, it's kind of the dream to have something that works for both, right? It has something that's easy to use, but also scales and, and you can make complex if you need to. I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of other tools. They have um, very different pricing models, and you know sometimes it's free for uh, one open or free for open source or um, or up to one. But actually, having 
like five concurrent builds and then a, a, a cap on that, so up to uh, 200. But then if you share with your friends, you can, um, if you invite your friends, then you can get more builds and stuff. Uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting sort of business model. And I also noticed that, you know, from the moment that I, I signed up, there was a lot of communication. Uh, and I don't mean like a lot of spam. I mean, actually good communication in that, um, you know, people reached out to me. Uh, Oleg, who I can look at uh, codefresh.io and see uh, his picture right there, uh, reached out and said, oh, I noticed this build's failing for you. Can I help you with that? Um, or do you have permission to rerun it for you and, and walk you through what you did wrong <laughs> kind of thing? Uh, and, and, and then further to that, it was also, um, you know, people reached out to say, oh, can, can I invite you to our, our Slack channel and help you get onboarded? And I, I find that, like, um, like, it makes it very easy for me to sort of use the, it's already got a very good user experience, but, um, but having that support there as well makes it very easy um, for me to kind of do a, do a proof of concept with, um, with one of our, uh, our projects and then make a case and, and talk to the company and say, you know, we got this far and I, I didn't have to ask for any budget or I didn't have to do anything. Um, obviously, we're you know, let's bump this up to the, uh, to the paid tier and let's start bringing all our other stuff on. Um, I guess, was that the, in, what, what is the intention really with CodeFresh? Was it to have a very good user experience? Yeah, that's, that's priority number one. And uh, I mean, like you were talking about with the support, one of the things that we do um, is we do a lot of customer interviews. We do a lot of user interviews. And when we talk to people, we find that they that there are a few themes that they consistently uh, that they consistently like about Codefresh. They really like the user experience. Okay, so that's awesome. <laughs> like we're going to continue to invest in that, and and that's that can be our killer feature, right? Is that we have an amazing user experience. But the other thing that they talk about is just the power of the community and being able to like connect with people and, and talk to, you know, our CTO hangs out in the Slack channel, right? And and uh, and we talk to people and. We find that um, most people, they're in some sort of stage of Dockerizing, and we want to provide support to help you use CodeFresh. And sometimes you're having an issue because there's an issue that, you know, maybe you haven't finished Dockerizing something. We're just thrilled to support you and support the community and just have people be um, in a position to be successful. Because that's what we want, right? We just want them to use the platform and, and be successful because... We know that if we provide an awesome free free tier, and you know we're free for open source too, and you can, like you said, you can share with your friends and get more builds. We know that, that makes it easy to adopt. We also know that there is a large community of of smaller groups, smaller shops, who don't need a ton, and for them, like they're not going to pay, um, you know, until they're making money, right? So that's fine. You know, come in and use come in and use our free tier. Get the free infrastructure that we provide, which is great. Get the free service, and when you grow and you're ready to go beyond five concurrent builds, and and you want to have more environments and stuff like that, um, and you want to have just more builds per month, uh, we'll be there to grow with you. Um, and it's meant to be easy and easy to use, easy to grow. We just don't want to have any barriers for people. Right, like you want to come in and, and make great software, and you want to automate your pipeline and have it have it work for you and make you more efficient. If we can provide that for free, 
the chances of you being successful as a startup or as a small development shop go up. So your ability to grow goes up. And we're thrilled. You're gonna you're gonna go in and you're gonna grow. And as you grow, you're gonna you're gonna have more need for code fresh. So that's great. <laughs> we, that, yeah, that, that's super awesome. Like, um, it's not. I mean, sometimes I'll use tools uh, or I'll use things, and I'm like, eh, I, I don't like them. And then I might tell somebody. But it's not that often that I find something that I'm like, I I got to share this with people because it's awesome. Uh, and code fresh is definitely one of those things. It, so far, at least, you know, like I mean. It just feels like it, it makes things kind of easier. Um, so much so that uh, I actually decided uh, on October 14th at the um, Google Developer Group DevFest in Vancouver uh, at Hootsuite, I'll be giving a talk on how to use CodeFresh uh, and deploy with uh, Kubernetes. Oh, beautiful. That's yeah. awesome. Well, let us know anything we can do to help if you want some stickers or... Yeah, that would be awesome. Stickers or anything. Yeah. Um, but also just like just being there because I, I think a lot of times there's um, there's a sort of uh, commitment or some sort of barrier for entry and, and I see people just not choosing not to use this type of tooling when if you have something I mean you have a docker file uh, if you're if you prefer the GUI like click click and you're you're up and running you know yeah that's that's the goal is make it really easy to get up and running and then have it grow with you so as you get more sophisticated and you know, to start off with, you're probably like, okay, listen, I need something to build for me automatically. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be like, well, it'd be nice if I could deploy automatically. And as you start doing that, you're going to say, well, I do want, you know, my testing to be more robust. Let's add in unit tests, integration tests. Let's add performance tests and let's add security testing to the mix. Um, and we're doing a lot on that front to make that whole process easier. Uh, it's just going to grow naturally as, as you go along where, um, we we kind of joke that like we give people the forty to forty million dollar Netflix pipeline for free. Where is uh, CodeFresh based, and where's the team? So our go to market office is in Mountain View, California, which is where I am sitting currently, and then our engineering office is out of Tel Aviv, um, which uh, it, it has pluses and minuses. Uh, it means that we're able to cover just about twenty four seven in terms of support and things like that, just because of the time difference in between the two offices. Um, so there are, that's definitely a benefit, but there are some challenges too for, for me where, uh, <laughs> I end up, I end up being up at, at 11 o'clock at night till one in the morning, a lot of the times working with that team. So there's, there's some fun things that happen when you need to work cross, cross, uh, cross time zones. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds pretty interesting. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about you because, um, full stack engineer and VP of marketing is, uh, is a very interesting mix. Yeah, why? I think you talked a little bit about that, you know, like growing up and always sort of being that engineer. Um, but what about the marketing uh, side? Yeah, so um, I came at it at maybe a roundabout way. Uh, from from the engineering thing, that was just something that I was always doing. So um, I built a, uh, a NetBSD box when I was uh, 12 years old or so. And so I had a that's when I set up my first web server and started. Um, and I didn't have anything on it. And it was like, I made a web page. It says hello. <laughs> you know, I didn't even like get a domain for it at first. You know, I just had like an IP address that I could go to, set up a dynamic IP and was playing around with it. And 
uh, it was just something that was always really fun to do and, and to play around with. And I had some friends that, that encouraged me that, um, that we'd get together and mostly just online and talk about how to, how to, how to code or how to build something. And then, uh, as part of that, like I was very interested in kind of the startup community and the idea that like you could build something that was valuable. Um, and when I, I, so I kind of started getting into coding a lot from that perspective. And, and when I, uh, how did this happen? I, I think I, the, the other component, here's what it is. I'm both technical and I'm also a pretty good writer. And so if you like communicating, you like writing, um, marketing is actually a really great field. And uh, having the development part has always been, you know, a superpower. So as I got into online marketing, um, I had a leg up in just understanding like, oh, I understand how SEO works because I, you know, I, I interact with it, right? Like I interact with, with it at a code level where uh, I get why Google wants to see things the way it does. Um, so I just always developed it uh, t in tandem and it's just gone from there. And, and I got into marketing really because I was writing and because I was doing SEO and I kept up on the engineering because I started doing marketing for, you know, technical products. And when I worked at Atlassian, it was like, okay, well, I need to understand the entire application lifecycle and, and how does issue tracking fit in with documentation? How does that fit in with, you know, version control? And, and how do we tell this whole story about how we can accelerate development? And then um, as containers kind of came online, uh, Codefresh became just super interesting because what I see from the industry is that containers uh, and, you know, orchestration like that's happening through Kubernetes is so powerful and it's such a game changer. And I think it's going to change the way that we build software. And so it was such an attractive um, startup to come join uh, because, you know, we kind of have all of those elements and we have, we have big vision and big goals for what we want to be. Um, so it made a lot of sense for me to jump into it. And I still, I still get to code on my, uh, in my spare time. Um, <laughs> I, I build, I have a, I have chickens. This might seem like an odd segue. But I have chickens, and I built a chicken coop, and then I got a Pi Zero and a linear actuator, and set it up so that the door automatically opens and shuts. That's pretty cool. You know? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then I I've been working on a script that pulls in SunCalc to to check when the sun goes up and down to automatically adjust the time when the door opens and closes because the chickens go in every night based on the sun. So, uh, so I'm working on that script, but I, I headed out of town on vacation a little while ago and I needed to finish it really quick. And so I ended up just throwing the whole thing in a cron job, which is, uh, it's one of those sloppy engineering solutions that, gosh, you know, it actually works pretty darn well. You know, I have to change it like maybe three times a year, but it sucked the motivation for me to make the awesome SunCalc script. But I'm pretty, I'm like 98% done with it. So there's no reason why I shouldn't just finish it. That sounds like a pretty interesting project. Um, so I'm kind of curious as to the uh, the communication structure of the Codefresh organization. You have uh, the engineering team in Tel Aviv, and then the um, the rest of the team, I guess, in uh, uh, California. Is how do features get decided upon? Um, it does seem actually like the team gets a lot of hands on, um, like 
you know, I'm chatting with a developer right now in Slack. So the direct access to customers. Yeah, that's that's been something that's been important for us uh, because the the ability to write good software that works for people goes up when you interact with the people that are using the software. You're not just throwing stuff over the fence. In terms of communication and well, and I guess deciding on features, um, we have made a very conscious decision to invest heavily in Kubernetes. We looked at the landscape six months ago and we said, okay, what's going to happen? Uh, we think that, you know, based on all the available data, Kubernetes is really the most powerful orchestrator here. And it solves problems that nobody else can solve. And it does it in, in the most powerful way. It's backed by Google, who uh, basically adapted their own, you know, orchestration service that they've been using to deploy containers for the last 15 years. Um, and they've adapted it for the op for open source for everybody to use. So we think that this is the future. We think that everyone's going to be deploying on Kubernetes in the future. So we made the conscious decision to invest very heavily in that. And in doing that, what, and I, I mentioned earlier that we do a lot of customer interviews. Uh, when we do those customer interviews and we work with customers through Slack and, and figure out you know, the, the things that they run into and the problems they're trying to solve, you always find new use cases that are like, okay, cool. Like let's, let's go, let's, let's make a feature around how to solve this problem and make it very simple and easy to use, but also make sure that it's available to use through YAML so you can go you know, complex on it when you're ready. Um, and it's really, uh, it's very flexible right now. We've got a good setup where it's like, Hey, I was talking to this customer. They're having this issue where they're trying to do some, you know, uh, some interesting way of deploying something or, or some interesting way of testing something. I think that there's a better way we can support this. Let's let's build that. So, what does the um, what does the CodeFresh stack look like? The CodeFresh stack, and uh, if we if we got on screen share, I'd show you. But the CodeFresh itself is built on top of Kubernetes. And we've got uh, what is it, sixteen or seventeen different services um, that make up the application, and we actually have them described inside of a Helm chart. Um, so, for instance, if we want to deploy CodeFresh on prem, we can do that very quickly with a Helm chart, which is excellent. And if you look at, I'm I'm just pulling up the application then because we have I have it running right. Uh, I can see what's running and. Um, we basically have Postgres, Redis, uh, we've got some node in here. I think we've got some Go services. So we've got, we've got a whole range of services. Um, so we are very much a dog fooding company. The great thing about building an automation platform is that, um, you can automate the delivery of that platform. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty cool. I actually, uh, I didn't look before we started uh, chatting, but I just pulled up the, uh, CodeFresh uh, org on GitHub, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff here. Oh yeah, we've built uh, we have a lot of uh, deploy images available on there. We've got a lot of demo applications on there to help people navigate both Dockerizing and working with microservices and how do you test those services, all those kinds of things. When we set up CodeFresh, one of our big objectives and big focuses was look as people containerize. First of all, no. There's no automation pl platform out there that was designed for containers. There isn't. 
there's no other service that is designed around that. Yeah, you've got things like Jenkins, which you know we offer CodeFresh uh, a CodeFresh Jenkins plugin, so people can plug into those workflows. But Jenkins is 15 years old. It, I mean, containers didn't didn't exist when it uh, when it came out. So there's nothing designed around containers specifically, and one of the challenges with containers is you want to test those containers within the context of their application because you always are using microservices when you're using containers. Uh, so that's one of the big missions for CodeFresh is that we should make it really, really easy to test all of your containers together. Um, so that's that's kind of what the platform is built around. And then, and then how do you actually deploy that, all those applications into a robust, you know, Kubernetes environment and how do you keep track of the images that are there? How do you certify those images? That's all stuff that's within our mission set. So opening up CodeFresh, there, there's not too many things. Like it's not um, overwhelming uh, or, or it doesn't feel too heavy or, or complex, but it, it actually does feel quite powerful and, and does a great job. Um, can you kind of give me a high level overview of what each of the, uh, each of the tabs, if you will, are, uh, uh, or menu items, repositories, builds, images, compositions, environments, and uh, of course, the Kubernetes, right? Yeah, so under repositories, um, you can connect your version control, you know, code repositories. So we support GitHub, GitLab, Bitbucket. Um, we support the on-prem versions of all of those. Uh, and then we just have a generic webhook integration that you can use with um, any other version control out there. Oh, there was actually, that that was something I, I found kind of interesting. When I signed up, I wasn't sure if I had to sign up with my, um, say, if I sign up with my GitHub account, will I be able to import things from uh, Bitbucket and vice versa? So I just made two separate accounts, but um, are, are there ways around that? Yeah, currently today, the way that we handle it is you basically have an account for each source code, uh, each um, SCM provider. So you basically will have an account for GitHub stuff, an account for Bitbucket stuff. There are, there are, it's something that we'd like to support a little bit better in the future. Um, we do some special considerations for people where we, you know, if you're on a paid account, we won't like double bill you. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll figure out a way to sort of bring those things together so you're not... Um, it would be very edge casey, I think, where you'd really have to have those. Uh, and I can't really think of one. Like, it doesn't... It's not too big of a pain point. Yeah, and there's, there's a decision there that we, we made very early on that was the easiest way to get started is to connect your source code, um, your, your, your source code repository, right? You want your code to be there so you can go build it and set up your pipeline. So let's prioritize, sign up with GitHub, sign up with Bitbucket. And um, when people need to do an on-prem flow, uh, you know, they need to sign up with email, we can support that. But let's put it up front that sign up, you know, show up with your GitHub so that your code's with you and you can, you can immediately start interacting with it. Makes sense. Okay, so there, so there you have your repositories and you just kind of, um, you can just click through, add a repository, yeah. and, and there it is. Yeah, add a repository, and then when you do that, um, you have inside the repositories, each one has its own pipeline, and you can actually set up multiple pipelines for each repository. So if you wanted to have a different pipeline, say, for like a staging branch versus a production branch, you can do that. 
Um, you can use regex to describe different pipeline rules and, uh, and things like that. And then uh, within the pipeline context, you can also see all the builds associated with that repository, all the branches associated with it, all the pull requests, all of that action is available there. You can access the volume image, uh, so you can you can plug in directly to where that pipeline lives and runs. Um, and then if you go over to builds, uh, which is the next thing down, um, that will show you both all the builds that have been done as well as all the ones that are currently happening for your team. And one of the kind of useful things here, you, we talked about that, how it generates that YAML file, which you can then take and then you know pull into your repository. The other thing that is going on here, when we build, um, as we as we did customer interviews, we found that build times were a big headache for people. And so we've done a lot underneath the hood to optimize build times. One, our whole platform runs on Kubernetes, and so we're able to scale very quickly, which is great. But the other thing is Codefresh actually has a repository built in, a Docker repository built in. Um, so that cuts down on the latency to like to, to pull uh, pull and cache based images and things like that. Um, and then we also cache all of the layers associated with an image. So that uh, when you build, it's like everything that can be cached is cached, and we support multi-stage builds, which uh, has a lot of implications on build times when you're used when you have caching, um, so that we can have the fastest build times possible. That's pretty key for us. And if you look at our case studies, you'll see that one of one of the common threads with a lot of our users is that they report that their build times go down, you know, by five to ten x over where they were building. Yeah, I mean, with with the uh, I've only brought one project over so far, but um, with the build times, I, none of them have been uh, even two minutes yet, and, and that's compared to like eight minutes or more. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Okay, cool. so you, your experience confirms what I'm. Yeah, saying. I mean, it's something we noticed right away uh, was that you know, ju like just that that one thing alone was saving us a lot of time for troubleshooting because we didn't have to wait for the the build. Uh, that's yeah, cool. yeah, it's good and bad. It depends on if your developers, you know, want more break time. Um, <laughs> yeah, true enough. I think most people just want to work on their. Thing. I think so too. Uh, okay, and then so going down from there, we have images, which I guess are obviously the images. Yep, that's the images. Now there are a couple of things here that are actually going on that are pretty cool. One is on every image, you'll see that we we expose the commit uh, SHA. The, the, the commit hash, and so you can actually just click on that to go directly to the commit associated with the, with the current version of that image. Um, you can also, you know, you can filter by branch, and, and you can filter by who was involved, who, who did the commit. Um, and if you look at an image specifically, there's a view where you can make comments and annotate it. Uh, so I don't know if you've added tests to any of your pipelines yet. By default, if you add a test and the tests passed, if the tests pass, there will be an annotation that says that it is quality, that the quality check is passed. Um, and those are actually configurable. So you can say like, I want to report 80% test coverage. And you'll get a nice little you know graph there that shows the test coverage. Or you can say like, I want to show that it passed security. Or if there are security issues, I want to leave an annotation that, with a link to go look at the security issues. Um, so there's a lot of stuff here for DevOps people that it's that's just, if you work with a lot of images, it's very nice. Now, the purpose here isn't necessarily to replace, um, you know, something like Artifactory. 
what we find is a lot of people want to have a repository that is for their production images, and that's where their production stuff lives. And then CodeFresh becomes a place where they can have a little bit more mess, where like I can have broken images here that I want to debug, and I can I can have um, the different versions of stuff before it goes to before it moves up the pipeline, and I can I can swap images with other developers and and, and figure stuff out. It's meant to be more of a playground. There's a lot of little uh, things um, that I find that uh, really make a big difference, uh, and, and that's kind of like being able to. Uh, you know, when you're looking at things, uh, say, over in the logs uh, under images, having things organized in a nice way that kind of makes sense and then being able to open them up and expand them as you might want to. Even things like, you know, being able to collapse the menu and uh, sort of full screen the, the logs uh, is awesome. So there's definitely a lot of like that, I think, that user experience uh, that is there. Does that Has that mostly sort of been built out granularly from user feedback? Yeah, both user feedback and this just that we use the platform to build CodeFresh. So uh, we notice a lot of those little things that we want to have in the platform and our users appreciate it. And it's like, it's part of that design philosophy that I think uh, Apple does really well or has done really well in the past, which is let's make something that's really simple and is very easy to use, but at the same time, works really well for power users. Um, and a lot of my favorite features on, you know, my, my MacBook Pro are, are things that are little things, like the way that shortcuts and hotkeys work, the way that it handles, uh, the way that terminal works. You know, there, there are lots of just little things like that that make your workflow so much better. And we wanted to have those things inside of CodeFresh so that it, it's very easy to, it's not intimidating at all to get, jump in and use, but at the same time, there's a very powerful engine underneath here. I mean, it's running on top of Kubernetes. You can, you can throw in your own configuration files and go crazy. Like there is a very powerful, you know, uh, robust engine hiding beneath this layer of simplicity. And it's just at any moment you can jump into it. When you're ready. So the, the next one down is compositions. And this was one I, I, I thought was pretty Pretty interesting to have. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, this is actually a good segue. So on images, um, you'll notice next to every image, there's a little rocket button that says launch. And if you click that, you have the option to launch that image either by itself or within the context of a composition. So uh, we see there's actually a, a, a fair number of people who like to use um, Docker Compose, especially for local development, whereas they really want to, they really want to deploy in Kubernetes and they want to test in Kubernetes. And so compositions gives you the ability to basically describe the services that you want to have working together. Now, I don't know if you've tried this or not, but if you hit, if you hit add on a composition, um, and you can actually put in a repository and if you have a Docker Compose file and you add it, it will add all of the associated services inside of your repositories and create pipelines for all of them at the same time. And you just have to add your uh, Docker Compose. Yeah. You just have to add your Docker Compose, yeah. So very easy to pull that in. And then we, we can expose those compositions at any point during the build and test process. So if you're, if you're testing an application that has several different microservices, 
Well, they're described in the composition, and you can run the tests with that composition. Um, and that composition is basically spinning up on top of CodeFresh's infrastructure, so you don't have to worry about provisioning or, or where it's going to run. It's just it's just going to happen automatically and be taken care of, um, which is, I think, super critical for, for certifying that an image is going to work. You have to make sure it works within the context of the application. And then environments. Uh, environments shows stuff that is currently running on CodeFresh's infrastructure. So uh, there are two different kinds of environments in CodeFresh. One is um, an environment that you would expose just for a pipeline. So let's say you want to build something, uh, you want to build an image, and you want to spin up a, a composition and test that image within the context of its, its full application. Well, that will happen outside of this environments tab. Um, it's basically going to spin up what it needs, test what it needs, and then shut everything down when it's done and annotate the image with the results. Uh, but on this environments tab, if I wanted to like spin up a feature, spin up the application and then share it with somebody so that they could get feedback on it, I can spin it up and it'll give me a one-off URL that I can then share with my team um, so that they can give me feedback on it. So and if I wanted to do something like... Um like manual QA, that might be a, a good use case or... Yeah, user acceptance testing, right? If you want to share the changes with the business owner, maybe. Um, or even the way that people... new features that are... Uh, yeah, new features, absolutely. We also have people that use it who are like salespeople who need to spin up one-off environments when they do a demo. They can spin up their application in a one-off environment on CodeFresh and you know, just kill it when they're done. Um, you can... Yeah, that, that's 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 what the the, the environments is, are for. By default, you get one free running environment, uh, so you can have one at a time. And then you know we have customers who have fifty to a hundred running environments at a time because they have just lots of QA people who are doing manual QA steps. They want to do user acceptance testing or, or whatever. That's actually um, you know one of the one of the big for our QA team if they want to be able to just set up. Uh, an, an extra environment and do some testing on it um, without affecting any of the other environments that are maybe being used, uh, then it, it would just be super easy to do. Yeah, you're in essence making a self-serve QA lab that uh, anybody on the team can use. And um, we, we've got a customer, their, their case studies on the site, they're called Steelcase. They're a really interesting Internet of Things company. Uh, basically, they make um, office tracking hardware so they can you know they can tell they'll go into a company like like Intel and it'll track how conference rooms are used and how desks are used and then it'll help them optimize their, their workspace so they have these like really intense data pipelines they have to deal with anyway uh, when they do their QA um, they basically have you know dozens and dozens of QA people who don't need to know how to run applications. They don't need to understand the stack. What they need to be able to do is spin up a change, check it for you know whatever whatever their their user acceptance testing criteria are, and then throw it away. Um, throw away the environment, not the change, and then you know pass the change up to get to get uh, deployed. So that's the way they use it. Is they have just dozens of people who are spinning up changes on demand running the things that they need to do, making sure the things, you know, they like it, they, they share with the product owner, 
you know, the product manager or, or an executive or whatever, and then they can deploy it knowing, yes, this is exactly what people were looking for. I got it right. You know, I got it right. Or, or maybe there's feedback and I can make those changes before it goes into some sort of production pipeline. Um, where it's going to be more expensive to make changes later. The last item on the list, definitely not least, is Kubernetes. Yes. Kubernetes is, um, we've, we've built a really tight integration with Kubernetes. And it's you can use it with any Kubernetes cluster. It doesn't ma not matter where it's hosted. Um, if it's a Kubernetes cluster and it has, uh, a, and, and we can reach it, then we, you can use it. And um, what we do is we basically provide sort of a, a boilerplate templated experience where when you go ahead and deploy a service, we will, we will do all the configuration automatically. And then um, as soon as you're ready, you can just jump straight into the, that configuration. So when you, when you start using Kubernetes, there are all these entities that you need to worry about, like your deployment, your services, your ingress, uh, you need to worry about replica sets. Um, but the truth is that 95% of the time, the configuration for those things are generally the same. Uh, how often do you not want to do a rolling update? Almost never. Like, mo like the, by default, you want to do a rolling update, right? So by default, it will do a rolling update. You can go in and t tell it not to, but um, by default, when you add a service to Kubernetes, um, it'll do a rolling update by default, right? And it'll configure all that stuff for you. Now you can take those, uh, I'll tell you a, a secret, don't do it, but you can take all those YAML files, you can plug them into your repo and you can now use them with outside of CodeFresh. So it'll, it'll basically generate it for you, which is nice. Uh, and especially when, when you're using Kubernetes, um, there's a lot to learn and being able to get up and running very quickly and have your whole team have access uh, is a great... I mean, we find that it's that people are really hungry for it. So um, anyway, sorry, I, I kind of went off on a tangent. But when you click on Kubernetes, it'll show you everything running on all your connected clusters. And you can both scale the services directly from CodeFresh. You can, you can see the status of what's running. Is everything up and running properly? So you have this single pane of glass where you can manage the entire workflow of build, test, deploy, you know, man, you can manage it all from a single place. It's pretty nice. So it's like uh, your CI/CD command console. Yeah, that's the idea. And uh, like I said, it does work with any Kubernetes cluster. We do have a a special integration with Google Cloud where you can log in with your Google. You can just do a login with Google to connect your cluster um, and connect your cloud, and so you don't have to mess with like certificates or tokens or anything like that. It just happens automatically. Um, and as part of that, we do offer a $500 Google Cloud credit. Uh, so if you are thinking about using GTE, sign up for CodeFresh, add your cluster, and you'll get a, uh, up to $500 credit um, to use on Google Cloud. That's not bad. Well, I think that, yeah, that's, that was a, a really nice uh, overview, actually, of CodeFresh. We kind of dived deep into it, and I, I, I'm probably sounding like a, a salesperson on your team <laughs> or something. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that, that was really awesome. Um, so if people are, are interested in uh, trying CodeFresh or maybe following you personally or reaching out to you, uh, Dan, what would be good ways to do yeah, that? Yeah, so CodeFresh, our website is codefresh.io. 
and uh, we're Code Fresh on Twitter, and we're Code Fresh on Instagram, and uh, we're Code Fresh on Facebook. So we're we're easy to find. And then for me personally, my Twitter account is Today Was Awesome, which is easy to remember. It's a little long for a Twitter handle, but it it, it keeps things positive, which is great. So I'm Today Was Awesome. Dan Garfield, VP of Marketing and also full stack developer. Thank you very much uh, for being on the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Thanks for having me, Drew. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Check out our website, vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Much appreciated. You can follow us on Twitter, Van Tech Podcast. Feel free to leave some comments below. You can also hit us up on the YVR Dev, the Vancouver Tech, the Van Tech Slacks. I'm at James. And I'm at Drew. Special thanks to Same Room for hooking us up with an integration that allows us to have a cross-team Slack channel, Van Do you have a meetup that you want us to plug? Email us, show at vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Music by A Shell in the Pit from the game Parkitect. See you at one of the meetups around, around town. town.